Hi, welcome to Coming to America, a new podcast where we tell stories of immigrants in the United States. I am Ed Halla, originally from the Czech Republic, and I've been living in the States since June 11th, 2001. As you might know, everyone around the world calls the USA America, and I feel that America for an outsider is an idea, a place, and sometimes even a dream. So here in our podcast, we will talk to people that decided to leave everything behind and made the bold move to call America their new home. I'd like to give out shout out to Bible Project in Portland for letting us use their studio and to my producer, Zach McKinley, for guiding me through the process. Today's guest is Kupsamlien Kaute, and for the easiness we call him Sam. He lives in Portland with his wife. He was born and raised in Manipur, Northeast India. He moved to United States in 2013. Currently, he owns and operates Jubilee Hall, which is a non-profit coffee shop with the mission to create a safe space for refugee and immigrant community for English and job skill training in a real-world setting. I have heard about some because we go to the same church and I love the idea of his project of Jubilee Hall. Plus, he makes the best chai in Portland. Uh, his chai is called Desi Chai and you can find it on a link that I will share with you later. It's cafediaspora.com. Sam, how are you? Good. Good. Thank you, man. I just want to start actually a little bit different. Usually we talk about your childhood first. But uh, because of uh, huge issues in your home region, uh, Manipur, which is a small state in northern eastern India that borders borders with Myanmar, uh, there was a big uh, violent clashes that, uh, according to the news, uh, left over seven, 70 people dead and hundreds injured and displaced. And at least 26,000 people from, uh, from had to leave their homes. Mm-hmm. On uh, May 10th, a few days ago, uh, Rahul Gandhi said, Manipur is on fire, people are dying, and the prime minister doesn't seem to be concerned. So let me ask you, uh, what is going on in Manipur? Um, so I belong to the tribal uh, community there. And uh, what um, we can see right now, what's happening is it's a state-sponsored um, ethnic cleansing, uh, lack of better uh, terms, um, it's it's pretty much that, and uh, it's state sponsored, which means like the government is controlling the police and the police, along with uh, the majority uh, people group, um, started attacking uh, tribal villages and churches, and and even now, as we are speaking, um, I heard news uh, from my parents that uh, they're uh, coming in storms, like attacking, so they're bracing for. Um, on the oncoming attack. Um, yeah, I got pretty disturbed this morning uh, because of that news. So it's hard because you can't really do anything much. Yeah, and it's, um, unfortunately, it's not uh, it's not on the news. You know, it, it, once you once you Google it, and actually Washington Post had an article yesterday. So it's, it's getting there. That means it's pretty bad. Yeah, um, the problem now is they shut down internet, so you can't really get the ground zero news. Uh-huh. And then all the news that you get is uh, also like washed down because the media is pretty much controlled 
by you know people in the, the majority and the government and you don't really see the the whole truth um and it's really sad and we're um a lot of people are trying their best to um you know uh, there's so many disinformation and um and and we're trying to do our best to like report all the disinformation and and all that but is there is there something that you would recommend for our audience to look up or um help how can we help right now um we have a website that's up uh, called NAMTA uh, North American Manipur Tribal Association okay how are your parents well they've been they've been okay um they're running I mean, so my hometown right now is safe because we're in kind of like the center part of the tribal um, oh, uh, okay. settlement. So uh, they're safe, but also there are a lot of refugees, uh, I would say internally displaced uh, people uh, who had lived in among, you know, like uh, the valley. Mm-hmm. And now they have to retreat to the hills mm-hmm. where our people group are. And so we have about, um, I mean, over 10,000 uh, refugees in my hometown alone, wow. which is a small town. Yeah. And so my parents, my siblings, they're volunteering to help out with the refugees and going from camp to camps and uh, helping out. So, yeah. What, what's the, when will the government, you know, step in? or So... Um, it's pretty much state-sponsored, yeah, right? Yeah, so w- the crazy thing is that uh, the central government, which is uh, the BJP, which is controlling the Indian uh, government right now, is also the same government that controls the state. So um, technically, uh, in a case like this, you would have uh, um, declared uh, uh, what do you call martial law mm-hmm. uh, so that the army comes in and control and the, because the state... Uh, government cannot be trusted anymore, but that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, people are pushing for that, even in the mainland India, like um, even the opposition party is like pushing for that, but uh, they're not resorting to that yet. Um, and uh, even last night, we see that it's still very eminent that like the government is still, um, the state government is still very much involved in attacking uh, people, uh, the tribal people, so... Yeah, I read a couple articles and it's, you know, obviously it's a Hindu-Christian dispute uh, problem, but what I understood is that the tribals, the government, I hope I'm saying that right, but the government is actually interested in the tribal land and it's taking over. So it's a real estate, you know. Yeah, it's actually that. Yeah, Uh, and also this has been pre-planned. So if it had gone like their plan, actually, I don't know, like, for some reason, it went for our like uh, favor that uh, the problem flared up before they plan on it, uh, and uh, so they had to like so there was a population exchange, right? Like so some uh, the uh, the majority people group that are living among uh, the tribal mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. they had to like they had to do exchange because there are a lot of. Uh, tribal people living in the valley. Mm-hmm. So since it's dangerous situation now, like um, you know, it's like a part- uh, like a partition, like where you exchange population, like people group, which is kind of crazy because that means you're preparing for war, uh, mm-hmm. technically. So like so now all my people group are in one group, and then the majority people group are in one one place, and then they s- discovered in the places that they have uh, lived their settlement, uh, there's like a lot of preparation. They discovered ammunitions and guns and all that like that they can just come in and get it and there are even like underground like uh within their settlement there are like some hospitals that they are preparing that means like they were trying to attack 
us, like uh, you know, and they, you know. their their plan was like to finish the whole town in one night. Yeah, that's a genocide. Um, yeah. So, but for some reason that didn't happen, and we're so grateful. Like looking back, yeah, and now we are able to uh, defend ourselves in a sense that like we have our own area, and they have their own area where um, we're hopeful that the army would do their job, like which mm-hmm. is sent by the central mm-hmm. government. And uh, right now, the police, uh, the set, the state police, you know, the the, the state uh, sponsored police, are with uh, the attacking group. So like we're just like holding our grounds and defending as we can. Wow, interesting times for us to have a podcast about you coming to America. It's yeah, it's crazy. So uh, let's just let's 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 talk about your story for a little bit. And I know it's going to be hard to remove yourself from this, you know, story of your region and parents. But tell me, how, when did you when did you come to the United States? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you um, taking the you know current situation in mind and. Uh, talking a little bit about it and the whole world needs to know yes about this and the truth um, because we're so little and uh, in, in population in yeah. number and then uh, we we don't really have a voice so yeah this is really awesome coming back to the question I came to the United States in 2013 okay uh, in April in the month of April okay how and why? Well, I I moved here um, to actually pay off student loans that my wife had. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. <laughs> so, well, uh, we met in Vietnam in Hanoi. Uh, so I was volunteering from India, um, uh-huh. and she was volunteering for the same organization uh, from the U.S. in Portland. And uh, um, so she's so American. She's American. Okay. Uh, from born, Port- born and raised in Portland. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So you met in Vietnam. And she's like, Sam, please come and pay off my student loans. Yeah. Well, I was so oblivious. I mean, I would still, but like, you know, uh, when we started dating and all that, she was like, you know that I have like close to 10,000, I mean, $100,000 in debt and student loans. Like, yeah. So you met your wife in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You guys start dating and uh, you got married in Vietnam or what happened? So um, we got married in India, uh, first of oh. all, um, uh, in 2013 January um, and then I flew um, after three months to the United States to get married for the American family here so yeah one wedding for my family yes. in India because the whole village can can come to the United States <laughs> and then uh, and then we got married here uh, again yeah yeah and I recommend to immigrants to get married here because their paperwork will be easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got married in a courthouse in a domestic violence room Whoa, yeah. because there was the only open, uh, mm-hmm. you know, space. We, we could get married in a hallway or there was a one room that was called domestic violence room and that's where I got married. So you got married and you moved to, was that your first time coming to America? First time, yeah. So how was that? It's a bit of surreal. Uh, yeah, tell you me. Know. Uh, came to the United States and uh, my wife was waiting for me at the airport and we just... Uh, uh, Um, so uh, we drove out from the airport and and that's like when I first saw the US for the first time and and then everything was fascinating you know like the buildings the bridges and like being on the freeway was scary and then after we exit the freeway I started seeing people like on the street like uh, like houseless yeah asking for money or yeah. something 
and then like that that got me like pretty like I like I was pretty scared when I first saw that like I came here to the states and I am not white and I'm supposed to look for a job and this guy is white and he's uh standing out here asking for money and he doesn't have a job how am I supposed to get a job here yeah. that was my first reaction wow. uh, like yeah I didn't say it out loud but it was that got me pretty scared yeah how was your english then well i I was uh, I was born and raised in uh, my hometown, which uh, has like several Catholic schools. So okay. I went to Catholic schools, and we uh, learn everything in English. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, you know, Indian English is different than um, yep. English here. Yep. So prior to coming to the states, uh, uh, and also prior to volunteering in Vietnam, I was uh, learning American English. So after college, I started um, learning uh, how to speak like an American because mm-hmm. the organization that I wanted to uh, work with uh, hired only native speakers and or native-like speakers oh. um, to work in Vietnam. So we were basically English teachers. Um, so I got um, what they call um, it's Cambridge uh, English pronunci- Pronunciation Dictionary, and I pretty much went through each word. Well, you, you're doing wonderful. I, I I hear it. You have a way less accent than I do, but I want to keep my accent because uh, it yep. makes me sound interesting. Apparently, uh, sorry, you went to college back in India, right? Yeah. What, I went what did to, you study? I uh, I studied uh, liberal arts. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know if that's called liberal arts. I don't know. Yeah. So I I went to college in Bangalore uh, mm-hmm. and um, in a science and arts college in Bangalore. Uh, uh, name of the college is Saint Joseph's. Okay, and I um, I was there in uh, Bangalore for four years, and I moved back home. And then uh, fast forward, I went to Vietnam. Uh, prior to that, I, wa- I worked at some places in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, 2013, you moved to Portland and you start looking for a job. How was that? Well, that was uh, really crazy. I didn't think it was going to take that long. Uh, it took me. I mean, I had to apply for work permit, and even after I got my work permit, um, it took me a while to get uh, my first job. How long? Uh, so my first job was in November, and I arrived in April. Uh, so six months. Yeah, faster than me. I took uh, me eight months in Atlanta. Wow. I I had a I was undocumented immigrant for mm. a little bit, and I work in the hospitality industry. I was in Key West, but once I got my papers, because I got married. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. Now I was legal, and I start looking for job with my education, like you, and and with my paperwork. And it took me eight months. Wow! And nobody would talk to yeah. me. Yeah, uh, I could get a job. Sorry, I was still doing a waiter, and you know I had to pay bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, no business, mm-hmm. no, you know, mm-hmm. admi- business administration. None of these jobs were lining up because yeah. I was, you know, immigrant. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So that was tough six months, no? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it was tough, and I applied to I I think close to a hundred places. Like was on the on the internet, like on the computer yep. every day. Yeah, um, applying everything, like yes. from grocery stores to gas station to like Walgreens to yes. like everything, and yeah, and then even like hotels, like. And then you had interviews, and then you didn't get it. Not a single interview, actually. No not a single call. No uh, that was the crazy part. And I would even go to the places that I've applied, some of the places, and, and then like I'll be waiting in line uh, to 
talk to like I don't know the concerned person, yeah. uh, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah, about that." And I, you know, I would show up and hey, I applied for this position, and I didn't get a call back, so I was just wondering. I should check in and like they were like, oh yeah, that we have it already filled, you know, like several times at different places like that, and um, yeah, that's that is hard, especially in a place like uh, United States because um, the value is so much put here on what do you do, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. never how are, I mean, it's how are you, but it's like who are you is mm. what do you do here, right? Mm. Which is okay to play that game, but when you don't have that do. Then you you feel like you have no value in yeah. the society or very little. Yeah. Okay, that's hard. So, what was your job? So when I you got it. yeah. So I was looking for a job. I mean, I was kind of still picky at this point. You know, like I was looking for a job where I could work and don't minimal talking to people. Like right, even though I spoke English mm-hmm. somewhere else, like I've never been in an English speaking country, mm-hmm. and it was kind of scary for me because as an English learner, I was very conscious about my English, mm-hmm. and um and so I was looking for a job where I can be in the back and like maybe packaging maybe mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. like production work and don't have to talk to people i can just listen to music and you know mm-hmm. just get paid uh but then <laughs> no single call back so my first job was uh crazy in a way that like i wasn't even thinking about it wasn't even looking about for it but my my wife's friend who was working at a coffee shop out all the way out in beaverton Uh, at this point, I was living in Gresham, like kind of really far mm-hmm. from each other. Mm-hmm. So um, she uh, uh, called my wife and told her that you know she was leaving her job to go full time teaching, uh, and then her spots open and she could introduce me to the owner nice. if I were interested. So like, and then at this point, like out of I don't know, like I was so not wanting to be in the coffee industry or in the food service industry yeah. customer service customer service yeah so like um just so scary but like i have no other choice like and i yep. i at least have to give this a try so i went there and i got introduced to the owner and yeah he asked me several questions and and he told me to come tomorrow <laughs> like i was hoping that she would he would say no <laughs> uh and then like yeah so that was my first job uh, the next day i was there um learning about for the first time this is the espresso machine this is how you grind the coffee like yeah. oh coffee comes in a bean that's crazy <laughs> i thought you just pour hot water and you know like so it's not yeah, a tea yeah <laughs> just yeah oh all we have in india is like instant coffee you know yeah, like that's true. You pour yeah. hot water yeah yeah that's same in yeah. my my mom comes to portland mm-hmm. from czech republic and we go and now it's actually back in instant coffee is hip mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. But a few years back, she comes and she's like, I want an instant coffee. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is the land of the best espresso, <laughs> right? And they had these uh, dusty shelves on the bottom in mm. stores and they sell a little instant coffee. Mm. So I found one, but I was like, you pay for it. I don't want a cashier <laughs> see me because she will not talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful. So you start working in a customer service and you were exposed to lots of American customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. First time I saw like different pastries. Like I had no idea there's so many pastries out there, and you know, like so it was impossible for me to learn everything first day. And and then and I was manning, you know, the uh, the cash register. Yeah. And people started asking, like, can I have the croissant? <laughs> and like, uh, I'm 
so sorry. Which one is that? Yeah, like I have yeah, to yeah. ask them to point it. That was I, the first time I saw like uh, like I I know I I knew donuts before, but mm-hmm. I've never seen a bagel before. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were the same thing, yeah. you know, like same shape, you same, know, yeah. like hole, hole in, in the, the middle. middle. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that was the first time. I remember when I started waiting tables in Florida, and I had to I wrote it down all the ways how Americans eat their eggs, mm. and I had to memorize it. Right, scramble over easy, uh, poached easy, poached medium, sunny side up, all these names, and I was like, "What is going on? It's just eggs." Mm-hmm. And then phonetically, I had to be like listening for their clues because mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't know this English. The American English is so different." So then you start and you learn a lot about coffee. So what happened next? So yeah, like uh, the the first lesson uh, that I learned was like, you know, they're not hiring me just because it's me. You know, like I knew, I, I learned that like on my first job, like I had my first job for two months, and the owner decided to close the shop uh, because the lease was over and he was done with it mm. and then but I was so grateful I got my first job yeah. that he gave me so and I stayed a- with him until the very end December 31st we closed shop and that was the last time the shop was closed and I was with him there sweeping cleaning up everything and then and then I realized oops I have to find another job yep and so um I, and I applied to coffee shop jobs at this time. Mm-hmm. Like I look up Craigslist and mm-hmm. you know, like uh, any job, job job posting for coffee shop. And mm-hmm. I applied to two places within a very close proximity uh, in Gresham. And I got offered in both the places. And I put two months of coffee shop experience. experience. And that's when I realized, oh, they're not kidding about this thing. This is real. Yeah. And that's when I realized it's so valuable to have like a work experience in the United States. Yes. So um, the first yeah, one that was my first lesson. Yeah. The first one is so important because mm-hmm. I I had so much work experience back home. I had university degrees. I had a small agency. Nothing mattered. Mm-hmm. They were like, I'm not dealing with this, you know, weird mm-hmm. immigrant mm-hmm. attitude. Once mm-hmm. I got the first one, that was so like such a relief mm-hmm. and I learned a lot too because you learn how the way how Americans communicate mm-hmm. and how you can talk to them mm-hmm. I want to talk about Jubilee Hall mm-hmm. right because yeah. that that is actually how I heard about you mm-hmm. uh, we, we haven't met but I uh, Rick told me about you know that you're trying to because I had this idea uh, I started beverage company and actually I had to shut it down during COVID. Mm. Uh, but part of it that I would do retail and my biggest experience and a positive was once I started working in the service industry, in the hospitality industry in the United States. And if you look at the economy here, it is really driven by the consume, consumers and, you know, everybody's spending. And, and I learned so much about the Americans by serving them simple dishes mm-hmm. and simple beverages because when they say how are you they don't they don't mean you know your life story they're just mm-hmm. saying hi and then they have really friendly attitudes to towards uh, foreigners too if mm-hmm. you talk to them one on one so all these was so beneficial and i was always seeing myself if i would have a, a retail like jubilee hall that i would uh, open the door for refugees mm-hmm. and immigrants because that's really a good way to introduce them into workforce. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Sam is doing it. So tell us more about Jubilee Hall. Well, Jubilee Hall is a coffee shop, actually. So it's uh, it's an idea that um, came up 
with all the experiences I had as an immigrant, where my first job um, opened up doors for me to um, get my second job, right? So, yeah. And then, um, and also after my third job, I was looking back at like how I was feeling. And on my third job, I felt like a lot more confident. And, mm-hmm. and then I don't have to think about so much about my English anymore, mm-hmm. you know, like, so as an English learner, you think about your pronunciation, your your grammar, and especially like uh, the content, like, yes. you know, like, because some things are not appropriate to say, you know, like, you know, it's totally appropriate in your country, but yeah. you can't really, yeah, yeah. so like stuff like that, and you have way of talking, but mm-hmm. you have to switch that. So mm-hmm. all those things happen in a coffee shop. And uh, and then like, I and also looked back at my journey in the coffee industry where like, I started without knowing anything about this uh, craft or trade. And, mm-hmm. and now like, and um, my third job, I became the coffee roaster, uh, oh, the main wow. coffee roaster for the company. And I roasted there for, uh, five years, and it's pretty well known in Portland. So, what, what's the name? Uh, it's called Seven Virtues Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have three shops in Portland. And when I first joined, it was just one shop, and then uh, expanded to up to three shops. Mm-hmm. And I was the roaster, and then I started training people. Um, you know, the that, guy and... that bought that coffee is instant. <laughs> the top <laughs> roaster in Portland. Uh, not not in Portland, but for like the the yeah, main the I, main I roaster it, yeah. person in uh, in in, uh, in at the coffee shop. So. And then I realized, like, maybe this is, I, I'm, I'm getting all this, like, you know, uh, my path has been, like, really easy stepping stone one after another. And I think this is for a reason. And uh, I have become so uh, confident in, like, talking to people before I was not even able to look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and then all those things, I, I picked it up from the coffee shop, talking with customers yes. from, like, you know, my first job. I remember that I... I was having a hard time just even getting uh, understanding what people were saying. Yes, yes. And and now I I'm I can't stop talking. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So um, if this could happen to me, I mean, uh, a very shy and reserved person. Yeah. It could happen to like this can be like it can be even better for someone uh, to give the same opportunity. They could be even uh, they could even become better than I am. Yeah. So like that was my thought, and I um yeah that's uh, how the idea came about. Like I want to open a coffee shop, and uh, want to have it as the first job. Like so because there was such a hard time finding a job. Like uh, when it is your first yeah. job, so to bridge the gap of no job to first job. So yes. like their training as well as it can be counted as a first job. So like a training, and then also training not just a job skill but also uh, um, an English. Uh, like mm-hmm. so because. We all learn English in our back back at home in yep. classrooms, yes. and and you really tr- can't really apply that in the real world. You know, like you know, my third job, even my third job after being in the United States for, I think, I think I was here for over three years. Then my my third job at a coffee shop in a hipper area of Portland, yeah, and I was still calling people ma'am, sir, and uh, the boss had to call me in the back and like, uh, hey Sam, come back here. No sirs, no ma'am, I get it. Oh, no sirs, no ma'am. How am I going to address people? Like, that's how we do. You know, that's how we learn yeah. English. So, like, yeah. yeah. I had a British English, yeah. right? So, yeah. when I arrived in JFK and the giant dude was like, uh, the officer, the passport person, right? Uh, and he's like, how you doing, man? 
and I didn't know what he's saying. So I was like, passport, <laughs> because I yeah. I only knew how do you do, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mister British, yeah. how do you? And he was like, how, how you, do? you doing, man? <laughs> and I was like, passport, because you don't know. Yeah, it's very intimidating. Yeah. So how do you get pipeline of uh, people like you? in your coffee shop to work for you? So uh, right now, uh, we just, I mean, um, so the idea happened and then like COVID happened and, you know, we mm -hmm. started the process before COVID and then our first step was to build out the space. Yes. So we uh, raised funds for the build out and um, we raised enough funds to be able to complete the build out. And, mm -hmm. and then the next thing was to open. And When did out, you open? Uh, March 4th, uh, 2023. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Recently. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, so the the next step was to figure out how to run the shop. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's different, you know, like uh, when you're working for people yeah. and when you're working for yourself and try to run your shop. So how different. is it do doing? It's uh, growing slowly, so yeah. it's go going upwards. So we're really happy. Are you in good numbers or? Um, so the great thing is that we are debt free, so oh, we nice. don't owe anything for the construction equipment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we from the bank. I mean, like yeah, uh, no, yeah. you raise money. Yeah. That's wonderful. So and our friends, some friends, and uh, and there are some equipment that we own already. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of put put them all in, mm -hmm. and so we don't have to uh, owe anybody. Um, so that's a good start. But still, uh, we have to figure out, uh, you know, like. Um, payroll for mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> every two weeks mm -hmm. and then uh, every month we have to figure out rent. rent. So we're still uh, in back and forth struggling with that mm -hmm. and um, and then our biggest issue right now is like to rate how to raise funds for our training program. Okay. So because our training program is supposed to be a paid paid training position where you know even though you're training um, the, the idea is yes. that like we wanted to create Jubilee Hall to give an oppor better opportunity, better exposure to people who are new here. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people who are arriving new, they would cluster within their own communities so, because it's safe. But also at the same time, in the long run, it's not, uh, it's not helpful in the sense that you're not growing as much. You're not exposed to mm -hmm. the cultural around mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So um, we wanted to create Jubilee Hall so that people can have an opportunity where they can like break out of their isolation, you know, like uh, where they are put in a place where they could learn and grow in confidence. So, but then at the same time, we don't want to rip people off from like the job they might have had mm. in a sense that, uh, you know, like they could have had a job and they could make money. But if they are coming to us for a better opportunity, then they have to sacrifice that. We don't want them to feel that way. So we wanted it to be a paid position where they don't feel uh, they don't feel like they're losing a lot for this better opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is the problem why um, we're still unable to get started with our first training uh, program. So like we're what, in a process of raising funds. When, when you're yeah. going to start? What, what's your timeline? Well, uh, we had a talk with uh, some organization in, uh, in the city uh, who actually has the money in a sense that they got government fundings nice. uh, for people who are uh, in the refugee immigrant community uh, uh, like that you can like uh, that they can uh, go at a uh, 
uh, and learn a job skill, mm-hmm. and 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 the the organization pays them. So like we're trying to figure out a, a way, yeah, a, a way that we do the training and they do the payroll side of things. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so far, it hasn't um, been finalized yet. Mm-hmm. So we were hoping that it would have been finalized by now. But like uh, there are there are some changes, uh, hands being changed with like uh, the office staff. So mm-hmm. we're uh, kind of in the middle of transition. But like our hope in the future and goal is to be able to raise our own funds and raise our own funding for that uh, program so that we don't have to rely on other yeah. organizations yeah. so much. Yeah. Let's talk more about America. So what do you like about America? Well, the first thing that stood out to me when I first came was that, you know, I feel like, I mean, coming from India, where there's caste system, class system, mm-hmm. like, so here I feel like everybody's equal in a sense that, like, you know, you can just talk to the boss. You don't have to be, like, bowing down to the boss mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, coming from there. It was, like, a huge change for me. And, and also, like, you know, at the beginning, we talked about my hometown. So we are minorities there. And mm-hmm. in India, we are the minority of the minorities. And then, like, even our state is the minority, you yes. know, like, part of the area. And in our state, we're the minorities again. And then the tribals are minority even more. So it's like you have so many levels of levels. being, like, I don't know. like Hierarchy. Yeah. So, like, it kind of, like, treated as some sort of, like, lower ca- class or something. So, like, here, even the... In India, you are judged by the amount of money you make. Here, you can hang out with a millionaire. Like, there will be at the same coffee shop with you. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's it's so different. And that's something I like about, like, the United States. That's great. And I actually think it's related to you saying Mr. and Miss, Mr. and Madam. Because Sir, yeah. American English is yeah. a very ega- egalitarian, right? Mm-hmm. It's not hierarchical. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, in Czech, we have a like a French T and we. Mm. So you have to address somebody with respect, right? Mm-hmm. You're using the we mm. instead of T. Mm. And here it's like everything is just, hey, dude. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. saying it right. It can be boss. And, yeah. we, and you actually tell him Bill. Mm-hmm. You say your boss is Mr. William mm. Sat. You would be like Mr. Satner. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, Bill, can you? So the language is actually very non-hierarchical American mm-hmm. English. Yeah. So when you were you came here and you had your hierarchies, right? Yeah. And like, dude, wrong. You cannot say yeah. Mr. to anybody. That is actually a reflection on on uh, on the on the values of the idea of Americans. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually like that. That's mm-hmm. that's a very good point. Have you traveled around the United States? Uh well not so much, but yes, um I have been recently to uh Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I had been to New Mexico and okay. California and yeah, Washington. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> not much. Yeah, no, uh, I was just wondering if you if you have any favorite places in U.S. Uh, right now, I think I I was most recently to uh, Sedona, okay, Arizona, and really like there. Um, and yeah, okay. I don't know about right now; it might be too hot for me. But yeah, <laughs> when I was there, it was really nice. Yeah, it's yeah. very hot. How about food? Food, well, um, it's a, a crazy, I mean, not crazy, tricky question mm-hmm. because prior to coming to the United States, I thought everything that American, all the things that Americans do is the best thing in the world. You know, like coming from a place like India yeah. and, you know, like McDonald's or KFC is like where all the rich people go. Yes. 
and like sometimes like you might go there once a year on your birthday or yes. something like when you have a lot of money you know like, I, and, I just want to point it out for yeah. listeners yeah. because the same in Eastern Europe McDonald's is more expensive than a regular restaurant mm-hmm. not the fancy restaurant yeah. but the regular restaurant in my hometown uh, is more is cheaper right mm-hmm. than you get a soup and a f- yeah. meal than McDonald's so you have rich kids yeah. hanging out in yeah. these spots all the cool kids all the cool <laughs> kids and I and I go and when I go I travel I actually take an effort and I go to McDonald's uh, abroad mm. and I see the cool kids on their phones and I was like you're not cool you're yeah. not cool you don't know it <laughs> but you are not cool yeah. so, so the food uh, so I studied uh, I studied in uh, Bangalore which is like a big city a metropolitan mm-hmm. city and I come from a small town where we don't even have a coffee shop right mm-hmm. so like far from KFC and all that so yeah. but like yeah that's like but you're a student there and you barely have any money yes and like once a year maybe like yeah, yeah so so you came here and uh, it wasn't all that huh McDonald's uh, is I different I haven't been to a McDonald's KFC or any fast food chain even once here in US after I arrived yeah I kind of learned that before I came yeah. from my wife up while dating yeah. and all that Um, and also she's very strict with her diet because of uh, all the allergies she has. Uh-huh. So like, so I, I actually, we eat very different from <laughs> like normal American family. So it's kind of like a blend between my hometown style and... What is it? Um, I don't know. Uh, my hometown Tell style me. is like really... So we have a little bit of influence, uh, Indian cuisine and a little bit of influence from like um from my hometown like uh, i don't know like very vegetable base okay and uh, and then pretty much rice like rice okay so you have rice that's the main staple and then you have uh something else to make it go down yes and then <laughs> so, you have lots of spices yeah So you do you go to restaurants or? Uh, yeah. So we are very selective about restaurants because, again, uh, my wife's allergic. But my, I, my if am- I'm all by myself, then I'll go to a lot of. Uh, I love tacos, mm-hmm. so I go to a lot of taco places, and um, that's pretty much it. What I like about US is, and you know, my questions are like that: is that the diversity of the food, mm. right? So tacos mm. are, you know, South American or Mexican. Uh, you can have Indian uh, one day, next mm. day you can have uh, Ethiopian. Mm. And Portland is, we are a little bit spoiled. Mm. It has a very good uh, food scene and it's yeah. affordable. Uh, but again, do you have, are there restaurants that would be close to your home cuisine in Portland? So I live in the border area of uh, India and Myanmar. So there are some uh, uh, Burmese restaurants that are kind of similar But not quite so. Okay. <laughs> so like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's really hard. Like yeah. so but I'm I cook a lot at home, so Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Question how has your experience in the US compared to your expectations before you arrived? Well, um yeah. So that's like the cultural shock or right? uh-huh. I mean, the shock. Like here when I first arrived, like our first car was I handed down a really old car from uh, my wife's grandma. Yeah. That was our first car. And I was like, I thought I was going to be driving a really nice car, like coming to the <laughs> States. Like, and then, and I realized like, oh, wow, everything, every everything that people have is being borrowed here. That's crazy. Like in India, you buy a car, but people pay for it. Yeah. Out of pocket. Yeah. And they build a house and they build with their money. And here, yeah, everything credit. is on credit. Like, 
that was a crazy thing, and I had never had a credit mm-hmm. card in my mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. so that was the first time. And you're actually and, required here to build a credit. Yeah, right. You cannot yeah. have stuff. And and I, and I didn't even have that like right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, like it took me like, maybe two years. Yes, of, like my first credit card. So like yeah, that was the craziest thing to me. Like and so you went to school here, um, paying so much money. I mean, I the first time experience, right? Yeah. My wife went to yeah. college, a hundred thousand over a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in debt, and and then you have to work so hard to pay off that, <laughs> and 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 then all these people from outside come. Like for example, like a, with their uh, uh, medical degree from outside, and they just start with zero debt. And then just like so crazy. I think everything is like backward here. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. All the people coming from outside have better advantage than growing up here. That was, Interesting. That was my thought. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting because I have a friend, doctor, and she actually was a top surgeon in Nigeria, I think. And here she has to start on the bottom mm. and takes like five years to get, you know, where she would mm. be. So it actually takes her down and she has to go through all the accreditation yeah. for years before she gets up. Yeah, I mean, there are stories like that, but also like a lot of people, like I'm talking about a lot of uh, people that got their job before coming here. Yeah. So like they yeah. come before because of their job. Yeah. Like engineers, like yeah. um, I have a lot of people that I know at Nike, Intel, mm-hmm. all those people. Yeah. They start with zero debt. And, so like, yeah. and, but the other hand, I actually agree with you is uh, my position because I grew up I grew up poor where I'm from, but I had two university degrees for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a, you know, healthcare for free. So arriving in, in US, even though I started really on the on the you know on the low because mm-hmm. I've become under undocumented immigrant, but I'm a product of that education because I can't, you know, that eventually gave me really the approach and the drive to build a business and do well with it. Mm-hmm. But it was because I was, uh, I had the opportunity to study for free mm-hmm. at two universities, uh, not top of all the universities, but good universities mm-hmm. back in Czech. And that gave me head start. So you're right. If you don't have that, then you really start with, you know, either big loan mm-hmm. and a student debt, mm-hmm. or you you don't even get there, right? Mm-hmm. Because not, not everybody can get there. So. Yeah. Okay, so what advice would you give to someone considering immigrating to the U.S.? Well, that's a tough. Question. In general, right? What would what, you go home? Yeah. Uh, imagine there's no conflict; it's going well, and somebody will ask you, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking to move to U.S. from your hometown." Dude, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't quite prepared for this. Well, it's just. Just don't expect it to be heaven, <laughs> yes. because uh, that's what people still say in yeah. my hometown. You know, they consider uh, the U.S. as the next heaven or next to yeah. heaven. Yeah. So it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be prepared to pay for every little thing and mm-hmm. to be prepared to do a lot of paperwork, especially if you're gonna be starting a business. Mm-hmm. It's in India or like. I don't know. In my hometown, there's very few paperwork that you need mm-hmm, to do, mm-hmm. and there's so many rules here. So, like, to come with that knowledge would be helpful, so that you, there's no much cultural mm-hmm. shock, mm-hmm. in a sense that, like, you know, healthcare is uh, 
it's so expensive here. So you would say to somebody is like, what do you want to do here? And then you would say, hey, this is, you know, this is the right way or not. Mm. Do I understand correctly? It's because it's like, if you want to go in food and beverage, which is a coffee shop, then you will have to deal with lots of bureaucracy. That's mm. what you're saying. Yeah. Or, you know, but if you have friends that are in engineering, go to Intel, then maybe they don't have to deal with Well, that. yeah, if you are coming for a job here, yeah. then it's like you, you're pretty much taken care of, I think. Like, But mm-hmm. if you are going to do something on your own, like starting a business, mm-hmm. um, then like I said, I think I'm a businessman now. So yeah. <laughs> like, so there's so many uh, so many things that you have to do before you can actually do what you want to mm. do. So, mm. yeah. So you're saying it's hard, huh? It's it's a long it's a long journey. Yeah, yes. it's a long step. Like, yeah. yeah. And and if you are uh, like it's not for the faint of heart, I think like if you are not committed to it, then it's so much easier to just go. Like sometimes I still get tempted like maybe I should just, you know, don't have to worry about all these things to have to pay like different bills every time. I just it would just uh, nice just to go and work for somebody and they take care of mm. all the things mm. and just get paid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's that entrepreneur mindset is hard mm. because there's no, you know, I, I remember I was, you know, managing director of a big company and I had assistants, everything was planned and everything. And then I, you know, left that and started another business mm. and nobody's and, and organizing on my yeah. calendar yeah. and my travel or yeah. anything, right? I had to do all of it. Yeah. So there was shock. Um Tell me about the future. What what are you thinking? Are you staying in US and what are your hopes and aspirations? So, uh, the main reason why we came here, like I said in the beginning, was to pay off student loans. And we already paid our student loans off. Oh, nice. Off, uh, actually. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. <laughs> we worked really hard. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we uh, uh, my wife and I, we lived with her parents okay. for two years, uh, rent-free. Mm. Uh, and we just... Uh, dump all the money that we get yeah. in the in the black hole. Yeah, uh, and uh, we paid the student loans off, and we were actually planning on going back to Asia. So we to live there. Yeah, to so like you know as, as like an inter uh, racial couple, it's advisable to live in a third culture where you know like oh it's it's helpful that way. Like for I don't know for the health of mm-hmm. um, relationship and all that. But we were planning on going back to uh, Asia and we were thinking of going to Thailand. Mm-hmm. And um, that was our plan. And then we even went back there like to figure out where we're going to live and all that. But that didn't pan out. And then uh, prior to that, I already have an idea for what I wanted to do if I were ever long-term in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is to start uh, what we now call Jubilee Hall. Yeah. Because I learned so much and I feel like I have something to give to yes. people who are new. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I don't know who uh, who can say, like, what's out uh, there in the future. You know, Jubilee Hall will take off. And then um, my wife still has a desire to be somewhere else, um, somewhere. She's maybe, from Portland, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe closer to my hometown, somewhere like that. So, like, not sure. Yeah, yeah. when you get a calling, you just follow mm-hmm. that, right? That's mm-hmm. sort of this yeah. thing. But, uh, yeah, and then Jubilee Hall, you know, that, I think that if that takes off, that that is a business model that should be scaled. Yeah, right? my my dream or my distant dream or I want a dream that like maybe we can you know, start this one in Portland and if it works, there are a lot of needs around the world and yeah, uh, yeah we can replicate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every city has has mm-hmm. uh, refugees and different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and and I and I truly believe. Um, 
for immigrants is beneficial to work in a hospitality industry mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. because you connect with the culture yeah. easiest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And in a sense, coffee shop, the transaction is 40 seconds, mm -hmm. right? I want a latte, mm -hmm. soy milk, mm -hmm. and a donut. Mm. Uh, and then you say, which one? And then you go, and that was your 30 seconds. Mm. But that, how are you? How's your day? It just, you know, it creates the learning. And I and I see it on myself. I became, I was never an open person. I can mm -hmm. talk to you, we met, mm -hmm. right? And we have mm -hmm. this almost American attitude towards each other. <laughs> That's right. Because we went through it, yeah, right? But yeah. where I'm from, I'm not supposed to talk to you. You're yeah. a stranger to me, Yeah. right? And here in U.S., I'm genuinely interested in what you got to say. So yeah. I love I love that. And mm -hmm. I think Jubilee Hall, you know, can have really helped so many people. Yeah, that's Thank wonderful. You, yeah. All right, Sam. Before we close up, uh, let's just uh, how do you say uh, how do you say thank you in your native language? Kipak. Kipak. Or uh, thank you in, like in a formal way, kakipakhi. Kakipakhi. Very good, yeah. Kaki yeah. for coming today. Thank you. How do you say hi? Chibai. Chibai. And yeah. that's your language of? Uh, it's Vaipei. That's my mother tongue. Vaipei. Yeah. And um, and then some other uh, tribal languages share the uh -huh. same word. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Vaipei language. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Uh, we will send links uh, about Jubilee Hall. And uh, your Diaspora Coffee is your chai mm -hmm. place. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, look up Manipur and what's going on there. And thank you again. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Yeah, thanks. All right, bye. Bye.